Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to uh, the writer's process. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody. Um, and tonight, uh, sorry, there was no music. Usually I have theme music for all my shows, and I guess I just forgot to upload it. So uh, I thought you said I was so be... awesome. I didn't need it. Well, that's true. That's true, too. So <laughs> everybody, everybody, that voice that you just heard is not just like the voice in my head, but is uh, the voice on the other end is Jeffrey Reddick. How are you doing, Jeffrey? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing great. How does it feel to be like the creator of Final Destination? Yeah, you know, it's, um, no, I'm kidding. It's, it's cool. Um, it's, um, it's actually pretty awesome. I mean, I think um, any, any horror writer, I'm a lifelong horror fan, so any horror writer you know, that has kind of something that stuck around for a long time, you know, will tell you it's kind of awesome. It's, you know, I, I still get memes like every day from people behind log trucks or, you know, <laughs> somebody will quote it on like the daily show or, or something like that. And it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, you know, some of those days you're like, why am I still writing? This sucks. It's so hard. And then somebody will send you a final destination meme and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Because you traumatized somebody for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you did the so. story right for the second Final Destination, right? Yeah, so yeah. I the, uh, were you the, the one who came up with that idea? Yeah, yeah. That was that was me. We were. Um, I was dealing with uh, the producer Craig Perry and trying to come up with an opening to top the first film. And at first, it was going to be a hotel fire, and he was like, "Ah," uh. and I was like, "But it's going to be a really great hotel fire." He's like, "Ah." Uh. Um, I love him. He he just always pushes me and everybody that he works with to be better. And uh, yeah, I was driving home to Kentucky and I got behind a log truck and uh, pulled off the road because I hate those things. And then I pulled off the road and called up Craig. I'm like, what about a log truck on a freeway? And he's like, that's it. And I was like, that was it. <laughs> so, and I actually, that was that's it. My favorite, yeah, that's my favorite opening. I think it's my favorite opening for a horror film. Um, well, yeah, I, I really think, do. Yeah, I, I, I I hate to say, like, I think everybody thinks that way, too. And I, I did want to mention, like, um, I think it was about a year ago, not a year ago, like a few years ago, there was a bad um, uh, hurricane in Virginia, and um, uh, what is it? Uh, there, was, there was a lot of chaos going on, and there was the lights were, you know, the power was out, so I had my laptop, and that was the only way I could watch television or anything was watching a movie on my laptop. And uh-huh. so I turned on File Destination 2 uh, to watch. And uh, since then, it's just, it's been, it, like, I, I hadn't seen that movie in years. And I forgot how much, I, I almost feel like File Destination 2 is better than the first. You know, because it's like, I they understood say that where they too, wanted to go. And I, <laughs> I say that too. And it's, it's you know, I, I worked on both of them. So I think I can hopefully say that without people saying that it's heresy. But, um you know, yeah, I think this, this, for the second one, it kind of, 
you know, with sequels, you always want to try to do what worked with the first film, but you also want to kind of expand on, on the first film. So I, you know, when I wrote the story, um, you know, because the process back then was, you know, they met with a bunch of writers to pitch different takes on it. So, you know, I, I pitched a, a treatment, um, you know, and what I wanted to do was kind of start off the movie where you thought, you know, you're going to follow this group of teenagers again and then kill all, kill all of them except for one. Um, and then bring some people back from the original and kind of expand on the mythology of the, of the film to show how that people who cheated death in the first film, how they're being alive when they shouldn't have been affected other people. So I got to do all this really fun stuff that I always wanted to do with the sequel. And, um, you know, and Eric uh, Breath and Jay Mackie Gruber, who actually wrote the screenplay, um, I think that they just did a really good job of, of finding the humor and the suspense and the humanity all and and David Ellis did an amazing job. I mean that freeway pile up for for as much as I love it. Um, you know when you write that in the script, you just kind of write the chain breaks and logs fly down the hall. You know the freeway and you know ensues. So you don't go into all the detail um, about how everything is going to happen. And David Ellis had a, a history in stunts, so he really knew how to set that sequence up to really maximize it and make it amazing he's no longer with us unfortunately but yeah uh, he did a great job. he did yeah he did a great job directing that sequence so um as much as i was like yay log trucks for me you know it would not have been the scene that it was if it wasn't for all the stunts and the you know the acting and every and everybody else who worked on the film so um yeah but yeah it was well i i think i mean and and we we talked about it just a little second ago kind of too you saw that in you know your everyday life, and and that is a it is a common thing. You know, people see those log trucks and they wonder. I I really hope that doesn't break and and you know. And I think even before the movie, you know, became a you know a hit and and you know, got out. It um and no pun intended with the hit, but when it, before it came <laughs> out, it was uh, a thing where people were like. Uh, oh man, you know, is that safe to be behind that thing? And so that when that movie did come out, I bet more people are just like, oh God, <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't want to see that. So it's, it's fine. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, and, and I, and I, yeah, um, I realized, and I, and this certainly wasn't intentional, but you, I, you know, I realized years later that there were a couple of friends of mine in college where um, on a, a truck with some aluminum rolls, like, you know, there was an accident similar to that that happened with them. And um, it was, you know, it was very disturbing because a lot of people, not a lot of people, I should say, but it feels like a lot of people at the time, but several people thought that I was kind of using that, you know, as as the influence for that. And it just wasn't, and it, and it really bothered me for a while because I try to, as much as I can, try to avoid real life stuff, you know what I'm saying, for films. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like my horror films to be fun even though obviously you're, you're killing people, I try not to make them sadistic. I try to make it like a fun kind of roller coaster ride. And unless I'm actually doing a true story, um, you know, there's things that influence you in life, obviously, but, um, right. But yeah, that, that, that was just one part. I remember like some friends in school were like, Oh, I can't believe Jeffrey used that. I was like, that was not where that came from, but yeah. Anyway, you know, you can't please everybody. (laughs) Well, yeah. okay, so let's um, let's actually go into like the show show um, because you know obviously that was just I wanted to kick everything going, but but the file destination stuff get that kind of out of the way because yeah. uh, a lot of people I'm sure a lot of your fans 
did want to hear a little bit about Finalist Nation and things like that. But we have talked about that before on my uh, past radio show. I think you were on the Independent Corner, if I'm correct, or I don't think you were yeah. on Fred's yeah. Roundtable. Yeah. Independent Corner. So we showed it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think everybody's um, so heard you, it. Everybody's heard everything they can want to hear about it. I'm okay. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure there's other stuff that you might be able to tell people, you know, too. But uh, maybe we'll do that. We'll save that for the end. Maybe if there's uh, some more time. Um, but before then, let's get into uh, the writer's process. So um, first of all, um, like, why why do you write? Like, what is it that, that makes you get up uh, every morning to write? Um, the reason I write now is because it's just, it, it's just in my blood. I mean, I, English was always my uh, best subject growing up, so I love to read. Um, I always wanted to be an actor, actually. So growing up, I, wanted, I always knew I wanted to be in film and television, so that was never any doubt in my mind as far as what I, what I wanted to do professionally. Um, growing up, acting wasn't really non-traditional casting wasn't a big thing back there and back in the nineties and I was biracial. So they didn't know what to do with me in New York. They were like, well, maybe we can get you on the Cosby show, but that's really it. And then they canceled the Cosby show. So then I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to write full time, um, (laughs) to write parts for myself. That's what what the impetus was. But, um, but now it's just, you know, I have stories I want to tell and, um, you know, and, you know, I, I, had the chance to work on a network show this year, uh, Midnight Texas, which was a lot of fun. And I have some TV series. I just, yeah, I just have a lot of stories that I want to tell. And, and I think that's what drives most uh, storytellers is we just have stories we want to tell. And um, as I'm getting older, I want to kind of have more control over how they're told as well. Um, so I'm getting Definitely. more into like directing and things, but, but yeah, I just, when I get up in the morning, what drives me is like, I have like six or seven projects that I'm trying to get off the ground at one time. And it's like one of the, you know, something in this business will inevitably go wrong um, and something will not happen when it's supposed to. So you kind of have to have a lot of um, irons in the fire ready to go. So I am, I'm just hustling and, you know, having my agent hustling for me. So, you know, I'm like, I'm going to keep working until I get another franchise and get a show on the air. So that sounded a little but it sounded a little, I didn't mean that to sound like it sounded, but yeah, it's like, I, I want another franchise. <laughs> I want at least, <laughs> Who two, I want at least two more franchises. Um, you know, but the, they want it. And you wanted to say, uh, you know, from Jeffrey Reddick, right. The creator of Final Destination, you know, you want it to, well, I like, want to be, I want another you, one now. Cause that's what everything says now. <laughs> so I want to, you know, I have a yeah. I want another franchise. I want to hopefully the the next one's going to be from the creator of Superstition or from the creator of. Um, but no, I'm very proud of Final Destination. But you know, I, and I think that um, it's definitely a series that I'm proud of. And you know, it's just like there. Like I said, I have other stories that I want to tell, and some of them have been told already, and some of them haven't been told yet. So that's what kind of gets me up in the morning. Wow. Is that neat? This I think it's a superstition. You know, oh, okay. Go ahead. I, I not didn't mean to No, no. I was going to say, you know, no, no. I was going to say, you know, I think also there's a, you know, most, you know, writers or any kind of creative person, I think there's also this fear of, of failing <laughs> that drives, that drives you too. I think, um, I think that you, 
you know, we all have this, you know, this confidence in our ability, but I think there's a level of insecurity that, that a lot of artists have um, that, you know, you're always striving to, to succeed and you want to prove people wrong and you want to justify that you're, you know, there's a lot of things that drive, that drive you. And I think that only just makes you better. I think if you ever get to the point where you think you are the best that there is at what you do, then you're not going to grow anymore. And I've, you know, I've even the best people, you know, Meryl Streep and Steven Spielberg, you know, when you read interviews with them or listen to them talk, you know, they still get nervous on their first, you know, they still have that mm-hmm. insecurity um, that drives them. So that's another thing that gets me up in the morning is panic about deadlines. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that, that happens to, I think, almost every writer, right? Like, uh, yeah. I, I think I keep hearing that, like, writers are afraid that like they could be out of a job at any moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is you can write. That's the one thing they can't, I mean, they could take it away from you, but like, you know, in other art forms, there's, or some art forms are like, you know, as you're getting older as an actor, it's like, okay, you're aging yourself out of roles, but they can never take your computer. Well, they could take your computer away, but you can always write. Um, so that you don't have anybody breathing over your, over your shoulder, like judging you until you actually write it and send it out. And then everybody judges you, but, um, (laughs) at least you get to create your own world. Um, so there's a lot of freedom in that. Um, and we'll talk about like superstition and a bunch of the other stuff at the end, like let you, Mm -hmm. uh, talk a little bit about the stuff that you're up to. But, um, so how hard is it for you to face the blank page? Um, usually it's not that hard because I have enough stuff going on where if I'm struggling with something, I can flip over to something else. Uh, but I will say it's, it's funny that you bring that up this week. I've been, cause there's been a lot of things I've been pushing on so many fronts. Um, and so I've been very busy and then I went to a film festival in Utah and when I, you know, once you get out of LA, you kind of just breathe a little bit because you just let some of that pressure go and I kind of came back and I was kind of in a funk all week so I I didn't realize it till halfway through the week and my friends were like you're kind of depressed um because I wasn't motivated to write and I this week I would finally just give myself permission to like take a nap a lot of naps um <laughs> and and read and watch movies and try to just take some pressure off myself um because I don't do that very often I mean usually I write a lot every day um learn not to be afraid that much of a blank page. Cause I've learned not to be afraid to write stuff. You know, they always say, don't be afraid to write shit for your first draft. I hope this is like a PG 13. podcast. Yeah. This is like um, That's fine. Oh, well they say, don't be afraid to write fuck. Now don't be afraid to write shit um, on your first draft. So I'm not <laughs> afraid to like get that first draft out and have it not be great. And then spend time working on it after I get the first draft done. And so that helps a lot because um, sometimes I'll just jump to a scene. If I don't know what I'm going to be writing for one scene, I'll just jump to the scene that I know what I'm going to be writing. And, um, you know, the key for me is not to stop, you know, it's to kind of keep going. Um, right. So, yeah, Definitely. if I'm stuck on a certain scene, I'll just, keep, I'll just move to the next scene. That's, that's great because um, I think I, I've heard that before to a lot of writers they tend to have different, like you said, irons in the fire, different scripts going at once. That way 
to keep themselves busy. Um, I do that too as a writer. I will constantly have like a million projects, but generally I'll try to concentrate on the first project and try to knock that yeah. out so that, you know, I can move on to the next one. Because uh, otherwise I think sometimes I get like, and I don't know if you feel this way too, but you'll get, um, as as I've heard like Quentin Tarantino discuss it before, like sometimes you'll get to like 30 pages and then you'll just kind of hit this wall, you know? And you'll just be like, okay, I'm, I, I can't, you know, either I can't do anymore or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bored of that story. I want to move on to something else, you know, cause you're not yeah. like there yet. So um, well, I, do you feel that way? Like, yeah. I think a lot of that comes, I think a lot of that comes if you're writing on something and you keep, you'll write five pages and you'll go back and rewrite that five pages and then write a couple more pages and then go back and rewrite what you've written and then keep writing a few more pages. That used to be something that I would do. And I see a lot of writers do that where they keep trying to, they keep going back and rewriting the few pages they wrote the day before. So then by the time you get to page 30 of your script, you're burned out of it already because you've been going back over and over again. That's why I think it's good to just kind of vomit that first draft out. Um, and, and get that one done and then um, go back through and try to rewrite it later. Um, that's, that's when I found that I burned myself out is when I kind of go back and try to keep rewriting something um, as I'm trying to finish the first draft. But if I just sit down and just keep writing, most of the time I can get through the first draft fairly easy, unless it's something that I, I'm not, not enjoying writing. You know, there have been some jobs where I've been like, um, you know, where it's, an adaptation of something that I'm not particularly vibing with, but you know, I want to work and I want the health insurance. So I'll do the job. Um, I try not to take too many of those jobs, but um, I still try to give it my best, even if I don't like the source material that much. So those can be the hardest projects to work on. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, especially, yeah, I, I would agree that like, if you don't enjoy the project and I mean, I, I almost feel like, I mean, I, I guess that it, it depends on you as a writer, but I feel like as a writer, uh, taking a job that you don't want to, you know, don't want to do or whatever is almost kind of not good for the material because you're, because somebody who is in love with the material is going to do, I, I feel like do the best justice and somebody who uh you know who isn't all that into it might might give it a different feel or something you might bring something different to it but might also kind of hinder the you know the script to being you know something much higher i guess than i don't know what do what do you think on that it it really depends on what it is i mean if it's if it's something like i mean i will there's certainly been jobs i've been offered where i'm like this isn't my genre or my specialty so i don't you know what, I would find somebody else to do it. Like if somebody wanted to write like, you know, a, you know, highbrow like British comedy or something like that, I'd be like, that's not really my forte. Um, but for me, uh, most of the stuff that I've, well, a couple of things that I've written that, that were slogs to get through were actually more like book adaptations where they were horror stories, but the book was like really bad. Um, but somebody liked the concept. So then it's like, you kind of have to go in and, and, make a movie out of it. Um, and, you know, movies have a certain structure. They're in the, and if you write a book, you don't have to follow 
the same structure. So a lot of times that's been the difficult part for me is like, I've had some, you know, bad books or even sometimes some bad scripts that were brought to me to like, Hey, can you, can you rewrite this? And, you know, can you, can you kind of punch it up and fix it? And, um, and I can, I, I believe, you know, just cause I, you know, am a, you know, a solid writer and know what I'm doing, especially in, in the genre of space. Um, but yeah, sometimes if it's just a bad book or something like that, it's it's hard to get through. And then sometimes I've just read scripts where it's just like all it is is like, you know, like torturing women and things like that, which is just not my thing. So then I just usually those things I pass on doing because I'm just like, I'm not the right person for this. Right. Definitely. Um, yeah, no, I guess I guess if, you know, you can bring something, if it's something that you didn't like the original book or something and you're you're adapting it to you know, you can probably bring something more fun and fresh and, and original to something that's, you know, not what you, what you liked. So I, I agree. I guess you can, you could do that. Uh, I'm just worried that sometimes like say somebody is asked to write Friday the 13th, like remake Friday the 13th, but as, and, and I feel like uh, whoever the writers of a nightmare on Elm street didn't love a nightmare on Elm street, but they rewrote it, you know, so I feel right, like right. that is like, and then this becomes a problem because they kind of screw that up, you know? So I, I yeah, feel well, that's like, why I think um, it's like, yeah, if it's like genre, like that's why I'm like, if it's a genre thing, I can, I can write it. But, you know, sometimes I just, I've, you know, there, you know, there was a book I was hired to adapt one time and, and the writer like basically told you who the killer was like in the first paragraph. Cause the way the whole book was structured was it kind of kept jumping around all the characters so you knew who the killer was and you knew why they were killing everybody. So then it was just kind of reading the story and watching them kill people. And so I'm like, well, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to make an interesting movie because there's no mystery. Like it's, it's kind of structured like a mystery, but the writer told us who the killer was right in the first chapter. Um, so then it was kind of like, well, how do I restructure this story to kind of spirit of the book alive and keep the interesting parts of it. But um make it something that's going to hold people's attention when they will want to actually go spend money and go see it. But, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. If it's something that's why I said, like if somebody sends me something that's like super, you know, gratuitous and torturous, um, you know, I'm just like, I'm not the right person for this because it's not really my cup of tea. So then I just won't do that. But if it's a horror project where I feel like, Oh, this is, this could make a good scary movie. It's just the book is not structured like a movie or, you know, there are things in the book that could be, you know, maybe explored a little deeper and, and done better. Um, I'm always worried that I sound like a douchebag when I say stuff like that. So I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> to be all like, but no, but you know, there's, if it's not structured like a movie um, and your job is to make it into a movie, sometimes that can be hard to do if it's really far off base. Or like uh, the, the way you did uh, day of the dead you know, which I really enjoyed, by the way, Um, which I'm not, like, I'm not a zombie fan at all, myself personally, Um, Mm. unless it's like a comedy or something, like Shaun of the Dead or, uh, you know, comedies like that. Like, I'm okay with that. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, some some zombie, like normal zombie movies I can can take, um, if they're like a cool original idea, like 28, um, 28 Days Later, whatever, which Technically, I guess, yeah. I don't know if they were zombies or infected or whatever you want to call them. But um, right. I loved I loved Day of the Dead. Uh, 
uh, and just as much like the remake, just as much as the original. Um, and so well, you are uh, going to get a lot like, of you're going to get a lot of mail about that one. I'm kidding. <laughs> I well probably because I'm not. I'm telling you, I, I you know, and I don't care if people don't like the fact that I don't like because everybody goes crazy when I tell them I love the original uh, the the remake of Dawn of the Dead way more than the original Dawn of the Dead because I don't know the the, the original Dawn of the Dead bored me you know uh, yeah still kind of does at times it's a little too slow and George Romero is like that but uh, like Steve Miner is not slow you know like he wants things you know and i'm sure you know that since you worked with him you know so um i i think like i i felt like it was a little bit quicker of a movie and i think like that's more what i'm into but i love the original movies you know but um you know not just just not as much as i actually like the remakes of all of them a little bit maybe even a little bit better than the original. So, all right, bring, bring the hate mail. I'm ready. You know, <laughs> well, that was an interesting process. That was an interesting process too, because I, you know, they, they hired the director and had a start date before they even hired, hired me. So um, when they brought me in to write the project, I, I, I pitched a take that was very close in, in story to the original film, just was a, more fast moving, but also, uh, just updated so that it took place in like 2000 something. But um, as I started working on it, they kind of made me start stripping away all the stuff that connected it to the original film. So then it kind of did, it did turn into a very frustrating process because I knew we were going to get, you know, raked over the coals for remaking the uh, classic anyway. Um, so at least what I had hoped to do at the beginning was to create something that was going to at least make the fans show that we were full of the original film and it ended up getting very far away from the original film so it's a fun it is a fun movie i wish they would have just called it like zombie apocalypse or something in the, in not day of the dead i think it would have went i think people would have liked it a lot more right i mean especially if you like if you change names of the characters and things like that i mean then after a yeah. while it's just not it's not a remake it's a uh you know what i mean like it's just its own like thing uh, own project, which I, I, I think is just as great, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, but cool. that's, I'm that's, glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. No, it's a fun movie. So. Um. So yeah. So I guess we're kind of almost out of time live, which means that people listening live, uh, where it's going to cut off on them. But we oh. can talk for like uh, 15 minutes more. So people have to check the archives. If they want to hear any more from us. Um, so I do, I do want to ask a couple more questions. And um, okay. one thing is, do you follow uh, Blake Snyder's beat sheet? Yeah. From Save the Cat. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I do, and I I think it's um you know I I I I send it to a lot of my writer friends because it's just it's kind of like all the other beat sheets, but I just like the way that he words everything. It just puts it in a different kind of perspective than a lot of the other beat sheets do for me. So, um, yeah, I, I actually do like that beat sheet. It is like I hate to say it, it's like beat sheets for dummies. Um, because, yeah. yeah, I I agree because like it's easier to understand. It's like putting everything in layman's terms so that people like. I mean, because I didn't go to I didn't go to film school. I didn't go to writing. You know, I didn't 
graduated from any kind of writing course or something. I did take a TV pilot writing course online, uh, which is pretty mm-hmm. neat. Um, uh, Peter Russell, I don't know if you know him. He's kind of a, a I guess, a famous script doctor out in um, – I'm going to try to get him on my show at some point if I can. That would be awesome. No, cool. um, you know, getting his perspective on, on things is pretty neat. Uh, but we'll see. Um, but, you know, he, uh, he does this, like, online course for TV writing. But, yeah, I think uh, for people who doesn't understand what I just said about Blake Snyder's beach sheet, Blake Snyder is a guy who uh, wrote Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, which, you know, like, hate him or, or – hate him or not for that um but uh was it um he also wrote this amazing book called save the cat and uh he has a beat sheet which is like every basically where every single place is supposed to go even from the like i didn't even realize you're supposed to state the theme in the first five pages of a book of the script um yeah uh or whatever and i think that is interesting as hell and i have done that in my last script in my last script, I did that. So, you know, I think that's a pretty cool uh, situation. Um, so do you do that, like, now that you write everything? Do you make sure that there's, in the first five pages, that there's a theme, your theme is stated? Um, yeah, sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. I, I, I think if you watch a lot of movies, that you, you realize a lot of that stuff kind of, you learn through osmosis. Um, but I don't necessarily... I'll try to go back after I finish a script and be like, Oh, did I state the theme? Um, so I try to go back and do that if I haven't automatically done it. Um, it usually finds its way in there, but um, I try not to get too super rigid with the rules. Um, I just think it's a nice, I think it's a nice framework, especially if you're, if you're starting off writing or to, if you, you know, stru- structure is good in writing. I think having no structure is probably a writer's biggest enemy because a lot of times you'll, you'll be like, Oh, I'm just going to write and see where the story takes me. And then it can take you off into some faraway place. And then you're like a hundred miles from where your story was. And you're like, how the hell did I end up over here? And how do I get back? So um, <laughs> I think it's very good to have, have some structure. Um, so I find that, I find that beach in general is very, very helpful um, to do that. Yeah, definitely. I just, I never known like, I guess, like, reading all the beat sheet, reading the beat sheet and kind of going through the scripts, you know, or not scripts, but, like, um, even just watching a movie and just seeing kind of where, you know, like, this would probably, you know, oh, crap, they did do this. And they did, like, they did state a theme in the first five pages. They did, uh, you know, they, they have their, you know, climax at a certain, you know what I mean? Like, everything at a certain spot. And, right. um I think uh, that's that's amazing when you're able to, when like I think the first day I, I realized people did that for real was watching um, the girl next door. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is definitely structured like a, a, a you know Blake Snyder's beachy kind of structure, and it's uh like it's it's beautiful. I think there's like uh, my favorite thing is when like you know exactly when the first act has finished. You know, right? Like they had a solid finish to the first act. They had a solid, you know, enter into the third act. You know what I mean? Like it was just right. Uh, that that movie is one of my favorite films. Um, yeah, I think it's like my generation's um, 
what's that? Um, what's that? Uh, Tom Cruise movie? Um, risky business. Uh, risky business. Not risky yeah. business. Oh yeah, risky. Yeah, it's risky yeah. business. Yeah, because it's you know in, instead of a hooker, it's a porn star. So it's yeah. kind of like similar. Same. You know, in that same thing. Yeah, I like the movie though. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, similar. It's, it's kind of like a remake, you know, or whatever oh, ripoff, whatever you want to call it. But I, you homage. know, I, I <laughs> homage. You know, I guess there's nicer ways of calling things ripoffs these days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like homage or uh, absolutely. You know, um, I'm sure. Oh my goodness! So I'm sure after Final Destination came out, you were like. There are so many movies that were just like Final Destination in some way or another that it probably drove you crazy. Yeah, it's cool. I remember there was um, I remember there was one night I was watching TV and there was a, I think there was an episode of Supernatural and there's episode of Smallville and there was another episode of Vampire Diaries. Um, played. They were all rerunning episodes, but there and every one of them, somebody got hit by a bus out of nowhere, and I was just like, that's awesome. Because it was like three different shows in one night. Um, oh, it happens so much. Um, we just, uh, for my other podcast that I do, Indie Film Cafe, we watched uh, Faithful Findings. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm-mm. No. Oh, it's horrible. Is it on Netflix? It is a bad. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I don't think so. But no, but that's the point. It's like it's like The Room bad. It's like that bad. It's hopefully one day going to be riff tracked. Um but it, it's that bad. Like it's a, it's a horrible movie. But uh, it was it was fun to watch. And that's I mean that's what we do on in our indie film cafe. We we watch really bad stinker movies, but and then we review them, talk about them. But uh, so when we were watching that, uh, somebody the guy got hit by a car, right, and everything. And oh, I was cool. like, I think I was watching it going, I hope somebody gets, I hope he gets hit by a car. I hope he gets hit by, yes. You know, like I love, and and Final Destination was probably like the was it Final Destination one, right? Where the bus, yeah. you know, hit uh, yeah. hit the girl, um, Amanda Detmer's character, um, and it was just it was so uh, it was so awesome. So like yeah, and every that time that, I see that, was that, that, yeah, that's an awesome scene. And that was um because it, it you know Glenn Morgan and uh, James Wong and Glenn Morgan from the X Files. Uh, rewrote the script and directed that film and that that bus scene was there is because in my original script um, a guy got hit by a subway because it was set in New York so I had a subway subway scene but um, I think the bus worked out a lot more effectively you know it was just yeah that one was that was one for the ages I loved how they built that how they built that scene up and shot it well the, the, the best subway thing ever I've ever seen was from Speed you know, like the uh, I'm taller scene, you know, or whatever. But uh, they cut. But uh, you remember that from like they're on the sub yeah. on the subway train. Oh yeah. Or whatever. And <laughs> I was like, so I think. And then what? Final Destination Five, I think it was, right? Had the subway scene. Was uh, it three? Five or I think four? The end of three. Yeah. The end of three had a had a subway had a okay. subway scene in it. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe they stole your idea later. And they're like, like, hey, let's reuse old ideas. <laughs> like, there's only yeah, there's yeah. only so many ways to kill people. You find out when yeah. you're trying to like think of elaborate 
natural things that happen out in public. Oh, so God, then it's yeah. like, well, what's the, what's the thing that most people experience so we can try to um, copy that, you know, like find out like something that most people relate to. I, I wrote a script once that had something like that. And uh, I had a, a professional writer, I'm not going to say who, but a professional writer, um, you know, was critiquing my stuff and she was really nice. Right. Um, and said that, like, I guess the, uh, what is it? The, the thing falling into the, the, like the, uh, boom box falling into a, a tub was very unoriginal. Like just, you know, like you see that all the time. And she was like, I think it would be better if the person caught it. And yeah, all of a sudden that it didn't, she didn't fall in that way. Right. Like it didn't happen and she caught it, but then she slipped and then it fell in there. Like that's more original, I guess, or something. Right. So there's just, I mean, there's so many ways. It's very it's like, final. Destination. Final <laughs> yeah. That's just a very final destination scene right there. I was ripping yeah. them off. Um, <laughs> didn't, uh, you know, uh, I mean, so many, and that's the thing with uh, movies these days and scripts these days is a lot of times it's just, you know, every idea has already kind of been done in some way or another, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's always trying but, to put your own spin on something, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Make something, you know, what What do I say? Um, uh, what what, what was the original like thing? Like, um, I want something, what did Blake Snyder say? He said, I want something... It's something new, new, but I want something that's same but different. Is same what but always, different, yeah. Something, and that's what they're always yeah. saying in Hollywood. Yeah, it's like give us something like yeah. Final Destination, but a little different. It's like okay, right. and then you give them something like Final Destination, but a little different. And they're like, oh, it's too much like Final Destination. It's like that. That's what you said you wanted. Yeah, so that's why it's always good Final to write for yourself. You just wanted to be. <laughs> Oh, you want something, yeah, completely original, then give it to them, like a spec script. Um, have you ever sold a spec script? Um, have I sold a spec script? Back at, back when I started writing, a lot of the, the the way to do stuff back then was you would just write a treatment and people would hire you to write the script. So I, all my, most of my produced stuff was stuff that I got hired to write, actually. Camera, um, I did sell as a spec script. Um, that was a spec script. But all my other produced films have been projects that I've written. Well, um, I I had a film that's going to be announced um, pretty soon <laughs> that I co-wrote with some friends that um, was a spec script that um, is going to be announced like probably next week. If you follow me on Twitter, nice. I, can't, I just can't talk about it right now because it's going to be announced with something else, and I, so I'm not allowed to. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about it. Um, but I sold that one as a spec script. Um, That's awesome. Oh, my, my, my movie Superstition actually was a spec script as well. Um, I did sell that one as a spec script. Nope, nope, that was Sweet. one for hire. Sorry, it's hard to remember. <laughs> it was a They're treatment, kind of and they hired together, me to write right? the script. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've so written much. a lot of stuff. <laughs> Um, well, uh, we've got about like five minutes left before they cut us off, um, from everything. Uh, so I just (laughs) wanted to uh, say thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, of course, it's my pleasure. Where can people, uh, reach you? Like you said, you had a Twitter, 
Uh, what's your social media links? Yeah, it's um, it's Jeffrey J E F F R E Y A Reddick on Twitter and Instagram, and um, that's part, Twitter's the best way to follow me. I you can follow me on Twi- on Instagram too, but I don't really, I'm not on there as much as I am on Twitter. I didn't realize, but people can have as many followers as they want, but you can only follow like 7,500 people on Instagram. So when I first signed up for it, I just went at all my Facebook friends. And so I filled up my Instagram, like with my Facebook friends and some other friends. And um, so now every time somebody starts following, I have to go through and find somebody to delete and then add them to follow them back. So Twitter's easier. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and people, no, can follow me on Facebook. people can follow me on Facebook too. I'm on there as well. Nice. Um yeah, uh, what, what projects do you have uh, coming up that you can talk about? Um, well, um, I worked as a story editor on Midnight Texas on NBC, so that's going to start airing on October 26th. Uh, so I'm really excited nice. about this season of that show. It's going to be um, nine episodes, really just really fun, sexy show. Um, really proud of it. So that's coming up. Um, I have a project to be announced probably early next week uh, that I'm really excited about that reunites me. I, I co-wrote it with some friends and produced it. And it, it's reuniting me with an old, an old friend of mine who we've worked together in another franchise. So people know when, when we announce it. So that's going to be coming out in January. And um, yeah, I have a project called superstition that um, we're going to hopefully be, I think we're shooting in Louisiana uh, beginning of the year that I uh, wrote. So I'm really excited about that one. Uh, and I keep thinking I'm forgetting one. There's a couple of projects that I executive produced um, that we're looking for distribution for. I have a film called Body Snatch Out right now that I produced that's on Hulu. It's a uh, sci-fi um, in- alien invasion movie. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And um, Like invasion yeah, no, of right. snatchers kind of thing? Um, it's more, it's it's a fun, like, it's it's kind of a, found footage kind of movie about these kids that go on a ride along and, and um, with some cops and, and realize that there's something amiss going on. And it turns out there's an alien invasion going on. That they stumbled across. Um, oh, nice. So, so it's a, that's a fun movie. And then I also executive produced a movie uh, with a team that did dead awake called sleep no more. That's coming out early October. And it's, um it's a fun like eighties retro horror film about um, some, students who are trying to figure out how to stop sleep, the need for sleep. And there's a theory that if you can go for 200 hours without sleeping, um, your body kind of adjusts and you don't have to sleep anymore. So these kids are trying to experiment. And unfortunately they don't realize that they've unleashed something pretty horrible. Um, Nice. And as they, as they go without sleep, they start hallucinating and seeing things and you don't know what's real and what's, what's not real. So it's a, it's a really fun movie as well. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Like, this is awesome. Um, I, I, I'm sure you got so many other projects. Everybody can find out more about them on your IMDb um, yeah, and everything, yeah. all the stuff that you've been up to. There's a ton of stuff on Prime that they can watch. And so, um, but thank you. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on at some point uh, to do something, maybe like a Q&A where, you, where um other writers can call in and ask questions or, you know, absolutely. And things yeah, like that if you'd fun. like. Of yeah. Course, and of we can talk, then we can talk about the new project. The new project that I can't on. talk about right now. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I look awesome. forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, man. And um, I look forward to uh, speaking with you again. So have a good night. All right. You too. Thanks. Take care, Tom. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you to Jeffrey Reddick. Uh, and thank you guys all for listening. This is uh, the first episode. So tune in next week. I'll be interviewing uh, C. Courtney Joyner. I'm really excited uh, to chat with him about the process of writing. Um, I want to make this a more fun thing. So if you have a uh, kind of a question you'd like to ask uh, writers or whatever, please um, send us a uh, thing, tag uh, at writers process at Twitter and Instagram writers process podcast and Facebook. So thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed the show and join us next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.